0: So I'm St. Jerome uh, yeah, yeah. I think Patron Saint of Ball night. Yep And then You are uh, St. Spencer Patron Saint of Royal Blue Golf Pants Okay And then Jason Shepard is the Patron Saint of Conference Real
1: This is the best Of BYU Sports Nation Interviews And insight From this week In Cougar Sports Every Saturday Only on BYU Radio To lead off Here's the double coverage interview of the week.
2: It is now our pleasure to welcome in live to the show over Zoom, the head football coach at Brigham Young University through at least 2027, Kalani Satake. Coach, great to have you on a Monday. How was your weekend?
3: It was great. Yeah, I had a great time. And uh, I'm sorry about the lighting here, guys. I just have to say, <laughs> they said the lighting is not the best, but I think it's perfect.
0: They they used all the lighting funds on your new
2: contract, I guess, right?
3: (laughs) Wow, I knew knew it wouldn't take you long, Jim.
2: (laughs) Coach, in all seriousness, congratulations on working it out. Uh, I know that there was uh, a lot of stress across the BYU fan base at the thought of losing their beloved coach. So for this all to come together, and now that you've had the weekend, to think about it, what are your emotions on a day like today?
3: Um, just i'm just really happy for the program and more than anything just focused on on the players and getting them ready for this bowl game but um just uh you know everything that that happened over the, over the last few days uh the last couple of weeks have been just focused on trying to get this program uh, as good as we need we, we need to be to, to compete um and so it's getting the the need the needing um resources for our players and and also for our coaching staff and support staff so that's that's been the key, and I think um, my goal is, it, is to make all the fans happy. And so uh, I think they they want a, a high caliber team that can go out there and compete. And uh, and there's some of those little things, the little details. We talk about details. The game of football can help you win. Well, there's a lot of details that goes into the uh, the operations of everything that that I think would make things a lot easier for us to function. And and I feel really good about where we're at right now uh, going into this bowl game, and also prepping to go into the 2022 season.
0: So are we talking about adding staff members uh, to different parts of the program like you talked about and paying them more? What are we talking about there?
3: Yeah, I think the key is to um, to to add more resources. I, I think there's a lot of guys that can do so many different things, and we wear a, l- a bunch of hats here. But I think if we can keep focused on, um, on, on just basically maximizing the opportunities and the roles that they have so that we can – Really really master that that's that's the key and then uh, and then also retaining our, our staff I, I think the um, not having anyone leave just because of money that that's something that that uh, I think would be really important for us to in order to keep things rolling if you look at teams that have had a lot of success its it's come down to um, a stability and so uh, um, and then you can go throughout all the different organizations and franchises and teams that, that are competitive uh, those that win are, are usually those that don't have a lot of uh, turnover, a lot of changes. So we're trying to keep our group here, and I keep our culture as strong as possible. And that means retaining the best, uh, the best people around us. I mean, this is not a one-man job. This is—I am here uh, because of all the wonderful people that work and sacrifice for our program, and and all the players. And so I think it's it's key for us to do all the little things right in order to make all the fans happy. And I think the the, the fans, uh, Cougar Nation, has high expectations. I just want to make sure that we match them.
2: Coach, I don't know how much uh, you were aware or are aware of how the fans rallied on social media, and that included your players late in the last uh, part of the week. What does it mean to you to hear about that and feel their love and support when it is up in the air and then eventually it does come together?
3: Well, I think the, um, you know, I I have so much appreciation for, for all our players uh, and then so much love for them, and then you—you you know how I feel about the fans. And so, I—I uh, I, I don't do a lot of social media stuff, but people still can still get a hold of me. And, I, and so, I and, and and I have family members and friends and coaches that are on social media, and they just keep talking about the wonderful support that we get. And I just came to a point where it's like you know, let's let's stop making people worry so much about things, and then and, and by people, the fans that we love and care about so much, but also the players. I want the players to be focused on this game, focused on performing and getting better um, in the bowl prep. I think there's a lot of growth and development that needs to happen. And I think the sooner that we can get this thing um, ironed out, the better. And that's why uh, there's such a sense of urgency from me to get, to get this thing uh, taken care of as quickly as possible. So I didn't want people to worry about it.
0: What role did this season have in this new contract versus last season, last season, certainly incredible, um, you know, the, the critics were talking about the schedule. You validated it with this year. So what role did this year have to do with sort of the interest from other schools like Oregon and Washington and others versus, okay, let's lock me in longer and let's go into the Big 12 together?
3: I think, I mean, rather than talking about interest from other schools, I think the thing that matter, that uh, changed the most was the invite to the Big 12. Um, you know, that that uh, I, th- I think, I'm, how do I say it? Uh, there's a lot of things that needed to happen that, that you always want that, that, to, to improve on. Um, and, and we knew that there's some limited, um, um, and that we know there was some limitations here. And, and, and a lot of it had to do with the resources, the, the budgets, things, things like that. And uh, with the invite to the Big 12, uh, I felt like there's really no excuse now. now. Now we have to go after it because, and then I, did, I don't want to wait. And I know a lot of people don't want to wait. We want to perform and, and be as good as we possibly can. The season is just a, a, a combination of just hard work and, and young, young players stepping up and, and, and showing off our, our depth a little bit. Um, I, like I said, I don't want to rely on our depth, but it's nice to know that we have a lot of players that can step up and play. Considering all the, all the production that we lost, everyone kept talking about how we lost so much production last year, from last year to this year. Uh, yeah, that's tough when you lose the number two overall pick in the NFL draft. And But if you think about it, it's those 13 individuals, the five draft picks, and the eight free agents that signed. Um, if, if all those guys came back, then it would have been a different team. But the, the prep uh, for, the, for the bowl game last year against UCF um, allowed us to get our team ready and in a faster rate. And uh, I'm planning on that happening again. And and having our guys be focused, uh, you know that's why the, the um, urgency to get everything ironed out and get it taken care of with, with the contracts and retaining everybody, as, much, as many players and coaches as we can, uh, is really important for us going into the, the 22 season. So
0: are you alluding to the increased revenue uh, from the Big 12, at least in the first few years, and then we'll see what the next contract is in 25, would, in your mind, give BYU an opportunity to increase those resources perhaps sooner than, than normal?
3: I believe so. I mean, I have some background in it. I, I went. I was at Utah when we went from uh, Mountain West to the Pac-12, and so I saw some of the things and the transitions that were made and, and adjustments that were made into going into that. And and uh, but you know, in, in that in that aspect, we had a little bit more time. And and uh, here it, the time is a lot. I mean, there's one season in between, uh, one season away from going into that conference now. And so I think uh, there, there's a for me, there's a sense of urgency to do it quicker and to try to do, do it maybe as as, as, as as fast as possible, but within the parameters of how we function, being a, a church a school and, and knowing the, the situation that we're in where we're not, we're, you know, we're looking at it from, uh, I mean, we went into it right right during the season. So uh, the, the timing is, is a little different than what it was when I was at Utah, but uh, more than anything, I saw the, the increase in, in revenue and the increase in opportunities Meaning, um, you know, retaining staff with, with salaries, but also uh, adding uh, needed resources that other, other uh, P5 programs have.
2: BYU head football coach Kalani Satake with us on BYU Sports Nation. I'm glad you brought up your experience at Utah watching that program transition from Group of Five to Power Five because I made a very strong point on the show that I feel like it is imperative that BYU retain you. For that, because you have gone through it and you have touched on it lightly, but how else will going through that at Utah help you now in your unique position at BYU, transitioning the Cougars from an independent state into a Power Five conference?
3: Well, I mean, the the, uh, the experience is one thing, you know. So I, knowing what we went through when I was at, at the U with with Kyle and. Uh, I, I sat in, in, in a lot of meetings, and I looked at things and how we did it. And so I, I have some thoughts on, on what I thought we, we did that went well there, and, and probably what we can do here, and what, what actually um, what, what actually can be done compared to here to there. You know, and, and I think I think in some ways there's some things that we can do a little bit quicker, and then there's other things that I think will take some time. But I know exactly. Uh, some of the some of the situations, whether it's recruiting for me, it's the football team, but there's also all the operations, all the the budget concerns, travel, everything that goes into it. Um, there's these high, there's high expectations to perform during the season, and and uh, and in order to get that done and to be at our best, I always talk about performing at our best, and I know what's coming in 2023, and I know what we have to do in the transition of 2022, and so we're trying to get that done as soon as possible, and. Um, you know, I, I think having, going, having been able to have that experience of going through it already and, and being, you know, I, I was there with, with Coach Whittingham. I saw some of the things that were said, done, plans, and uh, they were really cool. So uh, I'm, I'm excited for this transition going to the Big 12.
0: Okay, let's talk about Wednesday, huge day for the program, uh, early signing day. I, I know you guys are hoping to get a, a ton done on that day. Have you targeted any specific uh, position groups you need to address right now?
3: Yeah, we're just trying to add to the depth of the team, and and, and more than anything is it's the uh, the character of our players uh, matter the most, and, and and we know that a lot of these young men have gone through, uh, you know, a good number have gone through some adversity in, in their seasons, and but I, what I really really like the most is the leadership that I see from them within their own programs in high school, and so um, to see them commit to us, and a lot of them's been loyal to us for, from the very beginning. I've seen some development in them. Um, already. And so I see the potential in them as football players, but it's also the potential that I see in them and and adding to our culture, adding to our depth and then being a vital part of our program.
2: Coach Satake on BYU Sports Nation. I know that the only recruiting is not happening at the high school level. I'm thinking about guys like Tyler Algier and Gunnar Romney, perhaps some other guys that are thinking about moving on, Neil Pau. How much recruiting is uh, being worked on with those guys to maybe convince them to come back for what could be a special 2022 run?
3: Well, there's a lot of, lot of talking and, and and the communication matters, but um, it needs to be their idea to, to come back if they want to do this right. Uh, I don't think it's going to be um, us uh, giving them all the reasons. I think once they figure it out and they're committed to doing it and being here, whether it's here or going to the NFL, uh, it needs to be uh, their motivation. I, I don't want any of them to come back feeling that they got uh, asked to do it and then they're only doing it just for the team but uh, i know that the fans will will help us out on that but for me (laughs) i want i want commitment because there's there's a lot of development from those guys too so uh, they can be better in in a year from now playing for us then uh i I, i'm going to need them to be all in and all bought in and it has to come from them but i i can give them as much information as possible and you know there's a lot of guys that that um that left that they wish they would have been on our sideline when we had big wins against Utah and mm-hmm. big wins against ASU. So mm. uh, there's, there's, uh, there's other people that they can talk to that are in the NFL right now. And they can probably say, Hey, what, what was it like for you? And I plan on our alumni being, um, you know, I, I think they already know what I want and they already know what the fans want, but maybe they should talk to the the individuals got, that got drafted and the individuals that are in the NFL and free agent deals that are on practice squads and, and see if, hey, if they could do it all over again, would they do it or would they stay? But college football is so awesome. There's nothing like it. Um, and so you might as well keep that baby going as long as you can.
0: And, hey, Notre Dame and Oregon and Arkansas, that all sounds pretty fun next year. So uh, Tyler Algier, come back, please. Um, Chris Wilcox last and year. i hanging out with you guys, you know, and, yeah. and being
3: on, on, on Sports Nation and seeing you guys tomorrow. So yeah. that, that's all that matters. But it's also the fans. I, I've talked to a lot of the guys in the NFL, They miss hanging out the fans and they love going and playing games and then having our fans at the games, you know what I mean? But there's nothing like it when, when you're wearing the Y and you're playing and representing. So uh, I think some, I mean, we have such a powerful fan base and I I think even sometimes the players even take that for granted sometimes. And when it's not there, I know they'll miss it. So you might as well just stick around and hang out and try to do as much as we can here.
0: We'll clip that off and send it to Tyler later. Chris Chris Wilcox opted out of the Boca Raton Bowl last year. Is everyone planning on playing this year?
3: Yep, everyone's planning on playing. playing. Um, and uh, you know, I I don't blame Chris for for that. But uh, you know, we had it was a good opportunity for the young guys to step up and fill in and and cover some really athletic receivers in, against UCF and. You know, uh, UAB's got a lot of talent, a lot of uh, ability on their side too. So it's going to be great for our guys to get out there and play. But as far as I, 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 from what we we are going into this, this game, we leave tomorrow. Um, everybody that's healthy will play. Coach UAB
2: does a lot of things well. Probably at the top of that list is their rush defense, which is number eleven in the country right now. And in talking with some of your guys, they have pointed out, look, they got dudes they can play what have you seen on film from UAB that uh, gives you the greatest pause or greatest concern as you prepare for that team in the bowl game
3: really well coached team uh, bill Bill Clark's got a, a great reputation of having his team ready and 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 assignment sound football and you watch them on film uh, there's not a lot of mistakes that happen and then defensively you're right they take away the run and so they try to keep you um, you know, a one-way team. And, and uh, for us, we need to be able to run and, and pass. We need to do all of it. We, we, that's that's imperative our, to our success on offense. And for our defense, is going to be a, a difficult match because they can run the ball, but they also can take shots down the field. So it's, it's, I think they're, they're the type of matchup that can, um, you know, they, they can possess the ball and try to keep our offense off the field. And I think that's, that's we're anticipating that's going to be their plan. So we need to do whatever we can on the defensive end, to create some havoc and possibly get some favor in the turnover margin and then, uh, you know, get the ball back to our offense and let our offense do their deal. But it's it's going to be harder than what people think. But uh, anytime you challenge our offense, uh, they seem to, to really answer the call. So I'm looking forward to seeing them uh, play the game on Saturday.
2: Coach, we appreciate your genuine responses and the extra time today. You were the highest ranked team to play in the book Raton Bowl a year ago in that bowl game's history. You're going to do the same in the Independence Bowl as the number 13 team in the country. And from what we hear, the Cajun Creole on the Tex-Mex is next level in Shreveport. <laughs> so we're doing our best to find specific joints so that we can get those, you and your guys, taken care of at least food-wise.
3: Hey, these guys are really excited to be out there in Shreveport. They're really excited about this game. I know um, – and we're really excited about playing UAB. So uh, our guys are, are not uh, have not lost focus. They're they they are a grateful group, and uh, we 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 really appreciate the opportunity to play this game and uh, do it in front of our fans. So we're looking forward to getting out there. And then the added bonus is again we get to eat some food, and the head coach gets to gain some weight. So here we go.
2: <laughs> Start the holiday weight gain early. I'm with you on that train, man. Let's go. Uh, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for. Uh, A nice, smooth travel to Shreveport and obviously to win the game against UAB. We appreciate you, Kalani. Thanks so much.
3: Love you guys. Go Cougs.
2: Go Cougs. Kalani Satake on his new extension through 2027 on paper. Obviously, as you have pointed out, things can change. but
0: Everything can be undone, but you can always extend again, too. Like If UAB has a great season next year, to keep him away from other schools, you may have to extend again, right? That, that's that's what happened this year. He that, was under contract to twenty five.
2: That but looks he's a wanted man and sounds like a man that wants to be at BYU for a long time. No
0: one's denying that. Yeah, yeah. It's just making sure it's good. And what he wanted was for the staff to be taken care of, and he got it. Yes, was part of the I, deal. I yeah. love,
2: I love that that was such a point of emphasis, enough of an emphasis that Tom Homo said. These discussions began with an emphasis on getting his staff around him taken care of.
1: That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio.
2: Let's get to Top 5 Tuesday presented by Delta Airlines. BYU football, of course, has their coach, Kalani Satake. Under contract of 2027, worthy of his top five wins as the Cougar coach.
0: Here we go. Ninth-ranked BYU traveled to the uh, blue turf, looking for its first win ever against the 21st-ranked Broncos. The Cougars crushed it. 86 yards for Tyler Algier. BYU wins for the first time on the turf. Dax Milne, crazy game. Cade Fennigan, who, by the way, is at BYU now, was the quarterback for Boise State. (laughs) His dad played at BYU in the 90s. He's here now. Caleb Christensen with the pick. It was a great win, man. Uh, It was so good. We had built it up as one of the biggest games in BYU history. BYU dominated by too much to where we didn't put it as a classic.
2: 51-17 on the blue. All right, at Quattro Quattro. In 2019, the 24th-ranked USC Trojans visited Lavelle Edwards Stadium with Kalani seeking his first signature home win over a ranked team. Ding, ding, ding. He got it. Zach Wilson, remember him? Threw for 280 yards and a touchdown. Rushed for a massive TD as well. Kalani got to celebrate this victory with the fans as they stormed the field following a lengthy review of a game-sealing interception by Diane Gawoluku.
0: So fun. Just one week prior, number three to USC. BYU looking for its first win of the season in front of Rocky Top's 92,000 fans. Kavik Fonua with the interception. Uh, Late game heroics. To Micah Simon.
2: Micah Miracle.
0: Who gets behind the defense. Jake Goldroyd makes the field goal to send it to OT and double OT. Tyson Williams makes it happen. The former South Carolina Gamecock in the SEC gets to win and BYU wins in overtime. Crazy game.
2: Rocky Top Revival, oh, unforgettable. At number two, let's rewind to 2018. Camp Randall in Madison, Wisconsin. The Cougars facing the sixth-ranked Badgers. Some trickery. Kalani and the Cougs shocked the Badgers on that play and shocked the country. Squally Canada and a late-missed field goal were also the demise of Wisconsin. Satake's first win over a ranked opponent. The Cougars also jumped into the rankings for the first time under Kalani after this massive victory.
0: And the top win of the Kalani Stake era is the win versus Utah this year, of course, ending the streak of nine losses in a row to the Utes of, you know, almost 12 years. 26-17, to 17 got the Gatorade bath, Powerade at BYU, actually. And, uh, you know, a little crowd surfing with the crowd who stormed the field. The day after BYU was invited to the Big 12, it was arguably the greatest weekend in BYU sports history.
4: <laughs> I love the
0: it was amazing. <laughs> The
1: best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio.
0: Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Now joining us is a, uh, a man we're excited to have back in the studio, B, especially because he had COVID and he's doing, he's doing well and he's back. It's Jeff Judkins. Welcome back. You doing all right? Yeah, I'm doing great. Feel, Good. feel awesome. Okay, that's good because we were worried there for a minute. (laughs) Jeff Judkins is out. Lee Kamard's kind of running the show, and when Lee's running the show, you never know, right? (laughs) Uh, But they got a couple of wins and all is well. Well,
5: you know, I was really proud of my staff. Um, You know, as a head coach, you you hopefully prepare everybody to do things. You guys deal with it all the time. Somebody can't be here and somebody feels in for you. Hi, Shep. You know? And, yeah, You know, and, and so it was kind of the same thing, but I was, I thought my staff did a great job. All of them. Um, it was a team effort. Um, Lee was kind of over it and, and, everything be part of it. Cause Lee does all the scouting and he kind of knew a lot of things and I didn't want to change too much with the team. Um, but Ray and Mel and Zoe did an awesome job. And then of course the team responded very well. And, um, uh, it was hard. I'm not gonna kid you. Watching those, watching the game from home was really hard. Were you yelling
0: at the computer? I wasn't TV? too
5: mad because I we were playing pretty. were played well. pretty good. We were playing pretty well. Um, uh, but yeah, I just it just it just was a bad timing at those three games. And of course, they said What a quarter record for most points in the first quarter. I'm gone. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, Lee letting them fire away. I guess. Yes, man. They were they were on fire. <laughs> so, but uh, you know. A lot of great, a lot of people sent me a lot of, you know, te- Texas and want to know how I was feeling, mm-hmm. and you know, for me, it was I, I didn't really feel anything, but it was just neat to have people care enough about me. So, so, yeah.
6: so obviously, you got to watch a lot of really good basketball because your team was winning. Uh, what else did you do to pass the time? You, you get you're quarantining, so you you got to be away from other people. Yeah. So
5: what are you doing? Well, you know, I I, I watched a lot of like I said film. Um, of the game, I tried. I didn't really get too involved in calling Lee and saying, "Here's what I should do." But they did call me and say, "Hey, where things you're thinking and 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 that, um, you know, just did some things around the house and spent time with my wife. My wife stayed in quarantine with me. Also, she did not get sick. She didn't. She didn't get it. So, and then of course I have my horses. I I, I just went down there every morning and fed them and got got out of the house, did some exercise and. And did some reading and, you know, just things to keep myself busy.
0: That's awesome. Jeff Judkins is on BYU Sports Nation. Yeah, shout out to, to Ray and Melanie and Zoe and Lee who kind of handled things. Uh, you had a big game at Oklahoma, first loss of the year. Uh, went down to the wire, overtime. Tegan Grant makes 10 threes yeah. in this game. Lauren Gustin has 21 rebounds. Um, 8-1 pretty good. 16, you're 20th in the uh, yeah. NBA people. Life's still good. Big game with Washington State this weekend. Both teams are 8-1. and one. I mean, yeah, you've been playing some
5: tough games here. Yeah, we've played five straight hard games. All-power five. Which is good. I mean, that's what, that's what we wanted to do this year. We felt we could do it with our team. And it was close. Well, Oklahoma was a, was a close game. I, I thought we got a little bit, which we knew. On the road, you're going to get some bad calls. But 32 foul shots to your twelve. Uh, that's a little bit, especially the overtime. They scored half their points from the foul line. And then, I mean, Tegan might have, might have had 12 three pointers. I had to sit it out 15 minutes because of fouls. Mm. So, um, but a real positive thing. I mean, I thought we played well, had a chance to win. Paisley had a good good look at that last shot and almost made it. But uh, we got a big game, as you mentioned, Jeremy. We got a game with Washington State who beat Gonzaga at Gonzaga. Their only loss was to NC State. So, uh, we're going to have our hands full. Well, and you touched on
6: it a second ago. I mean, When you put the schedule together, you knew this was going to be a tough schedule, but you did it on purpose, and you've not shied away from this. This is not the first year that you've had a tough non-conference yeah, schedule. You've done this for years now. But when you do something specifically because you know the team can handle it, and then you see the team come out and actually perform the way that they have, getting eight wins out of nine – how rewarding is that for you?
5: It's, it's very rewarding, and it's a very positive thing. Hopefully, we can take care of business Saturday, and then we, we put ourselves in a good position for the NCAA tournament. Yeah, we have to win our conference, and we have to do things, but we at least give us a, a good start. Um, as you mentioned, Jason, I, I'm not afraid to play people. The only mistake we made is we should have probably thrown in maybe a game at home instead of Oklahoma playing those many games on the road and doing that but you know we learned as a team what we need to do and uh, this team plays well on the road so um hopefully we can continue to you know just get better nets
0: 28 i mean that's
5: excellent yeah uh, we were 22 but yeah so that But who's counting Jeff
0: Judkins is uh no, counting I, no, I, no
5: i no i i have an assistant coach who's very into that and he makes sure that we know what's going on, and yeah. which is good. You you need to yeah, in your sure. scheduling and, and all that.
0: Okay, let's talk about uh, the news from the Utah Jazz. Uh, Danny Ainge is the new CEO there, former Celtic guy, a guy you played against uh, yes. at Utah. He was at BYU. What do you remember from those battles where you were uh, – how old were you and how old was he? I, I you was a them?
5: senior and he was a freshman course the freshman we had was Tom Chambers and Danny Vrains. So Not bad. That, that ended up being a really good rivalry when they got older. Danny Ainge, when I remember seeing him play and watching, it, he, what a great athlete, what a competitor, and what a winner and that never changed. You know as a freshman he, he brought that. I, I really was hoping he stayed retired and I could maybe talk him into kind of helping me a little bit but and coming in and watching our team and giving some advice but he's too knowledgeable. In basketball to be sitting around, and so I know he's doing what he wants to do.
1: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday.
0: Brigham Young and Alabama Birmingham, the fighting trogdoors tomorrow in Shreveport on ABC and BYU Radio. They're actually the Blazers, but if you like Homestar Runner, you know what I'm talking about. It's a chance to get to 11 wins for the 13th-ranked Cougars. There's much more at stake around the game, it feels like, than in or with the game for BYU. So, Spencer, is a win enough for tomorrow and BYU football?
2: Yes and no. It just depends on what you want most, Jerem. If it's simply 11 wins on the season, then yeah, win by one point, win in overtime. It doesn't matter. Just win the game and get to 11 wins and make sure that the guys that have to say goodbye to the program are sent off uh, with a good taste in their mouths and, and things are happy. It's great. But if BYU wants to make a statement that they belong in the postseason AP Top 10, and that would be just the fourth time ever in program history. In the storied program history of BYU football, only three teams have finished in the postseason Top 10. This team has a shot to do it and become the fourth, but they're going to have to make a statement against UAB. And by statement, that's probably A dominating performance. At least a two score win you would think. BYU is only a seven point favorite. And I thought, why is BYU only a seven point favorite against UAB? A couple of things factor into that. UAB has the 11th ranked total defense in the country. They're really stingy up front. So how much can BYU establish that ground game and maybe break open some big plays on offense to beat a really good defense that the Blazers are gonna bring in? Rain in the forecast should slog things down, should slow things down a little bit. And if you're wondering, well, what difference does rain make? We don't have to look far. Go back to the Boise State game, and I know it stings. BYU turned the ball over four times. A couple of fumbles from Lopini Katoa proved detrimental for that. And I don't want to bring up, you know, a, a stinging past, but this, the rain can absolutely have a major impact in this game. but. Uh, we'll hear from Kalani Sataka, ask him about that. Like, how do you prepare for that, ball, to get ball security better and to uh, not turn the ball over against the Blazers, which are kind of a ball-hawking defense. So, Jerem, seven-point favorite, but if BYU wants to make a statement that they are a postseason top-10 team, they probably got to win by two scores, and they got to look sharp in doing so.
0: Rain can also stifle a good quarterback. Uh, see Josh Allen in the 2016 Poinsettia Bowl. BYU threw for under 100 yards and won the game. Because Jamal Williams went crazy. Does BYU have a Jamal Williams-type running back in the rain? Yes! Tyler Algier needs 174 yards to potentially break Luke Staley's 2001 single-season record. I mean, he could in this game. UAB does have a good defense, but if it's rainy, uh, you'd think the BYU would run the rock more. Well, we'll see. Uh, BYU's offense is one of the best, if not the best – offense that UAB will have seen all year. I know they matched up in Conference USA with, what, UTSA, who's had an incredible season. I still think BYU obviously is a better team, and I think a better offense. Sir McCormick's a good running back. Uh, Tyler Algier's a good running back in those comps. So, yeah, I, I think winning by one is, is it enough? Um, yeah, you said it right. It depends what you want. In every situation, your expectations are based on what you want out of the thing. If you want 11 wins, yeah, winning by one clearly is enough. But if you want to be in the top 10, yes, you've got to win by two scores, like you said. Um, it'd, be, it'd be incredible to finish in the top 10. It'd be nice to get Tyler Algier that single-season record. It'd be nice to get Tyler Algier back for next year. So all of those are up for grabs. I think BYU wins. I think BYU covers. But in order to try and sneak into that top 10, obviously there needs to be some movement within that for BYU to even have a shot. But even if BYU is top 12, incredible season. I mean, I was thinking about this before the show, Spence. BYU has six wins against Power 5 teams. How long will it take BYU to do that in the Big 12? Like, if they play eight games, nine games, it took Utah till year five to do that in the Pac-12. So what BYU has already done has been amazing. They can put the cherry on top with a a win against UAB. If for some reason uh, BYU lost this game, it's a different conversation with how this season goes now um. It, although they've cemented their legacy in a great way, it'd just be like, oh, shoot, like we talked about. So they've got to go out and perform well tomorrow, and I think is ready to rock.
2: Yeah, you don't want to tarnish what has been a remarkable season. And the energy is good. And I don't expect that BYU will come out flat tomorrow. And I put that largely on the fact that they locked in Kalani Satake. The team just feels invigorated and re-energized and the coaching staff as well like it was a big relief to lock all that down and now they're all in. So I'm with you. I do not expect BYU though there was some initial disappointment of not going to a bigger bowl game to show up flat. I think they are excited to play. They are ready to play hard for Kalani Satake and this staff and they're ready to prove that this is one of the all-time teams in BYU football history and we talked earlier this week about not just getting to 11 wins but 11 wins in back-to-back seasons for the first time since 06 and 07. Of course, we're trying to finish in the top 10 for just the fourth time ever. But, man, BYU has a chance to do something that hasn't been done since Steve Young and Robbie Bosco were the quarterbacks at BYU, which is pretty wild. And that's finished, you know, top 11 in back-to-back seasons. That's just crazy.
0: The only way this goes south tomorrow is if UAB is clearly way better than BYU, which they're not. Baylor was the only team on the schedule where it was like, oh, shoot, that team's better. Or if you cough it up like four times. That's the only way it goes south, in my opinion. Yeah. That's what it took for BYU to lose those two games.
1: The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation.
0: On BYU Radio. Okay, yesterday, Spencer Linton talked with uh, Fessy Satake, always insightful. Great recruiter. He's crushing it. Signing class, uh, chock full of excellent receivers that will play a big role at BYU. Soon and in a couple of years after missions,
2: here's the conversation with Spencer and Fessy. Fessy, for those that don't know what signing day is like as a coach, how would you sum that up emotionally and physically? Because you probably don't sleep much.
4: It's a uh, it's it's a uh, Christmas for us because um, you know everything is officially inked on paper or clicked or submitted I guess uh, with where we are with technology but um it's it's really exciting you know you feel the sense of uh, relief um, you know you put so much so many hours and, and time and energy into recruiting these these unbelievable young men a lot of them who are you have to battle other schools with um, some you feel a lot more. You know, they're a lot better about getting. Um, but regardless, to know that they're official and all in, it's a really exciting feeling. So I would say for, for football coaches, it's a Christmas before Christmas.
2: The overwhelming theme of this class, from what I could tell and from the interviews that you did before signing day, is speed. You got a ton of speed coming into the wide receiver room. What else makes this class unique?
4: Just... They're they're unbelievable young men. Like they 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 uh, they're gonna be great leaders on this football team. They're gonna be guys who are gonna be super successful after. Um, football, whether they pursue their the NFL careers, um, and just whatever they do professionally. They've been raised by, you know, great families. They fit what we're looking for here. they are people who are automatically going to uh, be comfortable with the culture that's been set, and that's what we're, we're big on here. Kalani's done a great job of this culture of of love and learning and, and, and you know, enjoying your time here and being disciples of Christ, and, and it's critical for us to find great athletes, but guys who can kind of just, who who can smoothly transition into that culture. And each one of these guys, I, you know, we, that's, that's the number one question we got to ask ourselves before. How, how fast are they? What's their hundred time and what are their statistics? Are these guys, can they fit here, um, here at BYU? And we think all these guys obviously are ones that, um, will transition very well into this culture.
2: I know all of the individuals and especially the receivers that you recruited are important cogs and that you clearly love all of these guys. But I do want to focus on Cody Hagan specifically, just because I was very impressed with how his demeanor is and his approach to football and life. And he was the Gatorade player of the year in the state of Utah coming from Corner Canyon, which is becoming a powerhouse football program in the state. And I've heard from Aaron Roderick that he could step in and participate and contribute from day one. Why is that, that as a true freshman, you feel comfortable putting him on the field?
4: He's, uh, he's seasoned. He's played. I mean, everyone looks at him, like you said, he's a Gatorade player of the year. That's huge. But he's been doing it for a lot of years at Corner Canyon. Um, he's a guy, you know, when you think about, look back at, you know, Dax Milne and Gunnar Romney, for example, they, they played right away as freshmen. And, and they had a lot of experience, um, and they did that in high school. They were both starters on very successful teams, multiple state championships at a very young age as sophomores. And Cody's the same. He's a very seasoned player that just gets it. He happens to have a great uh, track time attached to him, unbelievable stats, Um you know, and then just working him out um, at the camps in person, you're able to see that there's more than just speed there. He's got a natural feel for the position. He does things um, that get you really excited as a wide receivers coach. That that can be difficult to teach sometimes, um, or for someone to adopt. So he's just a really polished receiver that's dynamic, and I, I think he's got a a great great chance to play here. And. Nice thing is, he so mom, his mom,
5: uh, Marcy,
4: can't uh, attend BYU. Dad Sean went to Utah. That's why I like him. He listens, you know, he's mama's boy. He followed, followed right. <laughs> but no, I Sean obviously unbelieves. He's got such great parents. Um, his family's family's outstanding, and I'm so, you know, excited and, and thrilled to, uh, to get him whenever he chooses to come.
2: Yeah, let's talk about when, uh, a guy like Cody is anticipated to actually make his debut at BYU because I know there are some moving pieces with prominent receivers that are in the room. Still, maybe they're coming back Uh, Neil Powell, we think is going, he's going to play in the Hula bowl, but Gunnar Romney is an interesting one and Puka Nakua had a breakout season. So what guys are you expecting to come back and maybe delay Cody because uh, you got too many people there?
4: Yeah, that's kind of a lot of these conversations are going to take place right after this bowl game, Um, you know, when they can fully just put their mind at ease and and the season's officially done. So we haven't been super aggressive with some of these guys who who are on the fence. Um, But that does factor into Cody's decision as it should anyone who's looking to come play right away. The other thing on the non-football side of things is, is, you know, there's a lot of unknown with the mission you go to and how COVID is still affecting it. You know, there's, there's a, so potentially another year going by playing a year and and letting some of that settle a little bit more um, is probably another variable that, that recruits might factor you know, into their decision-making process. We do know he wants to go regardless, and he'll be an unbelievable missionary, and we're going to be supportive of him. But um, like you you mentioned, there's a lot of factors, and so we're kind of anxious to see uh, how that all plays
2: out. How do your personal wants not get in the way of trying to support some of these guys? Because I look at Gunner, and I'm like, hey, I've told him to his face, selfishly, brother, I hope you are back, straight up but I know you got to do what's best for you. So how do you handle that as a coach? Because you know what a boost Gunner would be to the room and to your team next season, but you want to support him. How how do you handle that?
4: It's a great question. And honestly, it's, it's it's not a magical answer. I take a step back and I say, if this was my son, how would I approach him? And if, if all the stars have aligned for him to go then go, and go chase your dream and go get what's yours. But if there are multiple things that I feel you need to stay back that you're going to, you're gonna gain. More importantly, long term, that are gonna help you in your life um, and the success you find long term. Then I'm gonna present that before them. Ultimately, like I will never tell a guy um, this is what you need to do, but I will give my strong opinions um, and I'll be supportive no matter what. But that's that's how I've found it to be less conflicting um, or you know battling those selfish issues and desires and saying if this was my son, knowing what I know about him. Um, how would I approach him? And that's, that's seemed to work out well for me.
2: As we transition now to the bowl game scenario and just kind of how crazy the past few weeks have been, um, how have you been able to kind of stay in the moment and, and get into bowl preparation when Coach Satake Kalani's uh, contract situation was floating out there? And, you know, you got a bowl game opponent coming along and recruiting day and signing day. All of these things you have to manage when there's so much so much uncertainty. So how how did you manage to, to work your way through that and not go crazy?
4: Fortunately, that's something that I think just comes with uh, with experience in this profession. This part of the year is crazy. It's it's uh, no matter what, whether you're you're anxious because. Your, coach could get an, your boss could get an extension, whether you're anxious because your boss could be terminated, whether you're getting, um, you know, looked at by it. There's just, it's, it's a crazy time. There's a ton of scenarios and it can be very, very overwhelming. Um, but one thing that helps is you just got to look at the guarantees. I preach to, you know, to my players all the time and so do our other coaches. You control what you control. That's it. Control the controllables. We did it with this bowl game. That was our message. So it'd be hypocritical for us as coaches to, to let other things outside, you know, um, Deter us from the task at hand, which is the bowl game. And so, so fortunately, I, I still, you know, i always have room to improve. But as time has gone by, I've, I've been able to just block out a lot of the noise and just say, hey, this is the game we got. Let's focus on that and, and shut everything out. So, you guys are the ones who make it more difficult. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we got to do something. We got to contribute some way. Come on, and I don't knock you for you.
4: I, I don't knock you for you. You're doing your job. We're doing our job. So.
2: When you got the official word that Kalani was extended through 2027, what went through your mind?
4: Relief, joy. I know this is where he wants to be. Um, you know, he's he says it and he means it. BYU is 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 at his heart, and, um, and I'm just so so lucky on the on the football side of things. It's nice because there's a there's an element of like, ah, oh, good. I, I I can you know I got this job. I don't get content. I know I have to perform and I gotta do my part. And so I put there on the football the business side of things. You have the side of relief on the familiar side of things. It's just, it's, it's, I'm very proud. And, and, I, I obviously I love, love that man. I'm so grateful he's at the helm and leading this team. I don't think there's a better person for that. And so just a, a lot of joy and excitement for that. And he deserves it.
2: Well, from my outside perspective, and I'll be in Shreveport with you as of tomorrow afternoon, but, once that higher or I guess should say extension happened for Kalani, I kind of felt like the team was reinvigorated just on the conversations I was having. Uh, what are you feeling and seeing in that regard?
4: Same thing. You know, there was a lot of I know that was a big thing for him was was. Not letting this be a distraction at such a critical time, and it's, as always, it's just just thinking about the boys, thinking about the team, um, and whatever things need to be worked out. Like I, it's just it says a lot about him knowing that the the, the most important thing right now, despite what others others might think, are these are these young men in this game, and uh, and I, I think they, they they felt a sense of just you know peace and relief that okay, good, he's our guy, he's he's here with us, and so you can feel the excitement, you can feel the the energy. Um, you know, it's a little extra juice that we don't rely on, but it's always nice when it comes your way, and, and you can feel it. There's, there's a, a little pep in everyone's step, so hopefully that shows up on Saturday.
2: Practices, from what we've been told, have, uh, as you just mentioned, been very intense. Guys are excited to play against another team. There's been some animosity. Um, how would you describe the state of the team right now going into a very interesting game against UAB?
4: I think everyone's everyone's head seems to be in the right place. You know, it's it's I think there's a little more difficulty sometimes and at the end of the season, game ten or eleven, when when there are games left, but you're but it's still at the end and you guys are tired. There's a lot you have to you have to fight against as as coaches and, and keeping everything high. You know, this is the last game. There's there's no other game, and so you can leave the message, like really preach the message of empty the tank. Um, But then you add in that conflict of just the bowl season, you know, being out there can be some distractions and whatever and easy to lose focus for some teams. But our guys are locked in. They know this is our last shot together um, as the 2021 BYU football team. And we got to leave it all out you know, there. And and I I think the guys will respond well to that. I know there's a lot of anticipation out there as there should be on on how this game will go. But we're super excited about these guys, this opponent. It's a good team. And and, uh, we look forward to playing our last game together.
2: Sure. A a win as a team to kind of put the proverbial cherry on top is always uh, an ideal that you shoot for. I, because I do what I do in the media, uh, kind of laid out some scenarios where I thought, man, BYU could finish as a top 10 team for just the fourth time in program history if they win this game. And then a couple of teams above them lose. You could go back to back 11 win seasons for the first time in 14 years. BYU wasn't finished back-to-back seasons in the top 11 since Steve Young and Robbie Bosco were the quarterbacks. So how much do those things factor in to try and maybe motivate your guys to get up for you know, putting that exclamation point on a really fantastic season?
4: We, we get it's a real thing. It's awesome for, for, for fans, for media, as it should be. But like we mentioned earlier, control the controllables. All we can do is focus on this game. What happens after that is... is is what happens to be determined. And, and our message is just, let's just go play and have fun. And that's the most important thing. We play for each other. We leave it out there. We play a great brand of football and whatever the, the, the whatever boards out there, ranking committees, the fans, whatever people decide to say at the end is, is great. But uh, we got, we got to play, you know, as a team and continue to believe in each other. We'll see what happens, but control the controllables Spencer.
2: I love that. I'm already writing this down. I'm, I'm, I'm implement, implementing this into my own personal life. Control the control I love it. Okay. Before you go, I need to ask you about some bowl game activities. I know there was a big Madden tournament yesterday and uh soul J. Mayava Peters was getting some trash because he was in it late and then didn't come through. It was a game show thing tonight. Uh, there's great Cajun Creole food and Tex-Mex there. What's the best part of Shreveport and all these pregame activities?
6: So what we, we
4: coaches, we weren't at that Madden thing. That was just the players. Um, and they're just doing the axe throwing themselves as well. So tonight will be the first thing together as a team is the, the big game show deal. But so far, it's just really in general, it's been the hospitality. You hear about it, um, the Southern hospitality, but it, it is it is a real thing. and We feel it. Food's been awesome. People have been super, super kind. That sticky, icky weather is awesome. You know, it's, it's nice to feel, you know, a little 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 dirty and sticky and and we love it so um but it's been awesome we've enjoyed it we look forward to a couple more days of festivities being with the guys and enjoying the hospitality
2: down here The people are awesome fantastic i'm hoping that the rain doesn't add to the sticky icky weather on saturday but if it does feel like your team is is okay with some wet conditions there
4: control the control levels Uh, (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh, I love it so much. Here's to Shreveport. I'll see you there tomorrow, Fessy. We appreciate the time, man. Uh, great to catch up with you. Congratulations on an amazing signing class. We look forward to the game on Saturday.
4: Thanks, Ben. Appreciate you, man.
0: Fessy Satake, the wide receivers coach, doing work in recruiting, and uh, he's got to recruit some of the guys back,
6: maybe. That, that's about. what college athletics are now. It's right? not just recruiting guys coming out of high school. It's recruiting your own players back. Well, we'll see this for like three
0: or four more years because of the COVID year. Yeah, the the COVID extra year, it's like, are you going to use that extra year or not? Uh, in in the case of you know Neil Pau and Gunner Romney and some of these guys, like you have to recruit them back uh, because they saw Dax Milne get a chance in the NFL, and maybe that's enough of the stars aligning for them to want to go. Who knows? We'll see. Hopefully they come back selfishly.
6: Absolutely, they're it awesome. Makes it makes BYU better. The more talent you have coming back,
0: but I'd be shocked if all of them did.
6: It's not. It's Let's probably not realistic yeah. that they all come back. Yeah. But it, but again, it goes to what he was talking about in terms because I thought the question that Spencer asked was great in terms of how do you handle not want you know yeah. putting your own yeah. you know uh, thoughts into it and, and letting them make the des- best decision for them and it's like you just have to you have to trust them you know you say this is this if is this the, was my kid yeah and and the, this yeah. is what's here for you you need to make the best decision for you and your situation and I love that
0: right because they do care about them beyond what they do at yes the, end.
1: the best of BYU Sports Nation we'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation.
2: Elite 11. No, not the quarterbacks, but BYU football as a team chasing an elite number of wins in an individual season. Yes, the Cougars are chasing back-to-back 11-win seasons, and junior wide receiver Gunnar Romney has added some context for the bowl game buildup. It's, it's really
7: awesome in cementing our legacy as as this team um you know to get 11 wins it's an amazing thing and then you know like love mentioned right before I came on you know it's it hasn't been done since the national championship season that uh, we've gotten 11 wins two seasons in a row
2: which is which is unheard of and so I think it'd be really cool to go out with a bank it has been a while not
0: exactly a true statement but that's all right
2: jerem what would an eleventh win mean so, for BYU football
0: yeah I, yeah, BYU B- B- had 11 wins uh, you know, in 06 and 07. That's okay. But, but the point is the same, which is it would be awesome. There is a difference between 10 and 11. There is. When you have zero and one losses, you're an elite company. Only six seasons in BYU history have done that. Uh, when you only have two losses, that's only happened five times. And then there are a bunch of teams that have had three or more losses that we don't even talk about that much, even if they were incredible teams that schedule or injuries or whatever made it so or they just weren't good enough that they had three-plus losses. So the, the two best teams ever to have three-plus losses, 85 and 90. Okay? Those were incredible teams. You could argue 91, too. Um, the the two-loss teams are special. Obviously, this team trying to fit into that category. Um, I think regardless of what happens in the bowl game, obviously it would be disappointing to UAB. This team, because of the amount of Power Fives, six and 6-1, beating Utah, in the streak, the Big 12 invite, will be one of the remembered teams in BOA history. It is one of the best ever. Um, it's whether you put it at number eight or if BYU wins this bowl game, I think you can make a pretty good argument for. Let me give you that argument. 84, 83, 96 are the kind of consensus top three in BYU history. You, If you feel like this team belongs in there, may, maybe it's because of strength schedule, right? I, I can see that argument. But I put them as high as four. They win the bowl game, when BYU wins the bowl game, because of the way they've navigated the toughest, uh, you know, most unique, may, one of the toughest, if not the toughest, schedules in BYU history. Like, pure number of power fives doesn't necessarily mean it was as tough as, say, '03, 3 where you're playing, like, two or three top-ten teams. 91,
2: 04, yeah. those are in the conversation as yeah.
0: well. Yeah, 90 was um, crazy, yeah, the, all this stuff. So... Yes, this is what, regardless of whether BYU wins the bowl game, it's one of the best ever, but it is unique company if you can finish back-to-back 11s. I mean, 6 07 was the last time BYU did that. You look at just straight-up win percentage in a two-year stretch last year, this year, if BYU wins. Most since 6 fifth-best two-year win percentage of BYU history. Tied for fifth for the best two-year win total. Uh, fewest losses in a two-year stretch since 8485. I think that's what Gunner was getting yep, at. Yep. Is Yeah, it'd be incredible. And if BYU can get into the AP Top 10 in that final poll, it'd be just the fourth time in BYU history the crews have done that. That'd be wild.
2: Imagine the most delicious meal that you have ever seen in front of your eyes, and that's different for everyone. Nobody wants the last bite of that meal to be gross or cold or have sat out for a while, and that's kind of how I feel the season would be for fans we look at it with the big-picture lens. That's what we do. But for fans, if BYU lost to UAB, then the last bite of a really good dish would be gross. And that is super disappointing. 2008, BYU starts 6-0. They're a top-10 team. They sputter at the finish and go 10-3. and And we talk about the sputter at the finish. Oh, I can't believe BYU lost to Arizona in the bowl game with Austin Colley and Max Hall and Dennis Pitta. That With who? Yeah. Dennis. 2001. Amazing season, 12-0, top 10 team. We focus on the sputter at the finish. Luke Staley breaks his leg. BYU gets blown out by Hawaii. They lose the bowl game to Louisville. 12-2 season was incredible, but we focus on what did not happen at the end. 1979, but BYU lost to Indiana because of a missed extra point.
0: In 79, is so long ago, no one really cares but us.
2: 1990, Ty Detmer's Heisman season beat Miami. BYU got blown out by Hawaii after Detmer won the Heisman while he was in Hawaii and then lost 65-14 to to Texas A&M. We tend to, because of human nature, focus on the sputter if it comes to that. And so this is big. BYU needs to beat UAB so that we don't have a gross last bite of this delicious meal. And what else is on the line? Okay. We talk about being ranked. We always focus on rankings as like true relevance for BYU football and independence.
0: only way to quantify it, at
2: least. Yes. BYU is trying to finish in the AP Top 10 for the first time in 25 years. BYU has not finished as a Top 10 team since 1996. Technically 97 because the Cotton Bowl was on January 1st. But the 96 season. It's been 25 years since BYU has done that. They'll probably do that. If and when they beat UAB. And BYU, as we talked about, hasn't had back-to-back top 11 finishes in the rankings since 1983 and 1984. They can equal that. There is going to be somebody that loses above BYU in the rankings because there are so many top 12 matchups. That if BYU beats UAB, they will jump up at least one spot and BYU will finish in the top 11 Back-to-back seasons for the first time since Steve Young and Robbie Bosco did it in 1983 and 1984. That is wild. There's a ton on the line in terms of being ranked and relevant.
0: If BYU lost this game, it would suck. But this team is always going to be immortalized because it's the team that broke the streak against Utah and it was the year BYU went to the Big 12. Like, no, no quite no I, argument I, I think, on that. Yeah, I think I think um <clears throat> As as the years go by, you think less about how crappy the end of the meal was and about, oh, that was a fun night with so-and-so and so-and-so. Like, when in 90, yeah, we think about, you know, the great game with Miami. You know, that's like the leg—and Ty won the Heisman. Like, over time, you're like, oh, yeah, and they did sputter at the end, but it's not like—you know, there there were some real highs there that were amazing. Like, oh, one, yes, we think about the sputter, but we also think, Oh, the Dominator and Luke Staley on the Doke.
2: My like, point is, I don't want to have the conversation about any sputter at any point.
0: Oh yeah, no one does. Uh, Listening to this, except for a couple of Ute fans watching this. What's up? Uh, you know, congratulations on the Rose Bowl. Go Ohio State. But I, I think this year will be immortalized regardless. I do think they're going to win the bowl game, of course. Um, but I think if they if they lost it, this team will still be in a unique place in BYU history, regardless. If they if they win, now yes, we can start making the argument of like. Oh, was this the fourth-best season in BYU history? For me, it's kind of hard to argue this is better than 83-96 or 84. I think you go as high as four. That's like the ceiling on how good this team is.
2: Well, you're talking – if you look at the rankings alone in the three seasons you just referenced, 83 finished number seven, had one loss – 84 won the national championship and 96 won lost one game and finished top right. five. So you, it's, it's not going to
0: happen. Those are the three I brought up, yeah, yeah, that have been AP top 10 finishes, which is incredible. Now there is some argument to like, okay, not all schedules are equal. 90, 91 were crazy. Uh, is winning a Heisman better than beating Washington State and Arizona and what? Like 90 is an immortal season. Because it's the The Heisman Trophy and the Miami season. Yeah, the win; those those accomplishments were great. So it just depends what you want. If you if you categorize success by total wins, by win percentage, by ranking, by P five wins, by rivalry streaks, like you have a lot of those in this season, which has been pretty special to say the least.
2: BYU needs to finish this off the right way. You got your coach extended through twenty twenty seven. You're a top 13 team right now. You've been in every college football playoff poll over the duration of the last two seasons. Don't muff it, as one Gordon B. Hinckley said at one point at the end of the Lavelle Edwards career. BYU needs Free to finish this thing out. Yeah, Finish yeah. on a high.
0: Yes. I, I'm not saying I'm preparing for a loss or anything. I'm not. I'm just saying no matter what happens in the bowl game, this team's legacy to me has been pretty much secured. If they If they win this game, great. It's like cherry on top but yes like I
2: want that cherry on top I don't want anything else
0: I've never like been like there's no cherry on this so I'm disappointed like what's that um it like this team is the legacy is locked up man it's like
2: they're incredible well I just Uh, don't BYU has a chance to become only the fourth team ever to finish ranked in the postseason top 10 like that that's awesome there's a lot on the line a lot of, yes, it was great to beat Utah, but BYU misses out on a lot of uh, No, no buts ifs. in that sentence. No buts. What ifs if they don't close the deal against UAB? It
0: was great to beat Utah, period.
2: <laughs> Our what? question of the day. What is the difference between 10 and 11 wins for the legacy of this 2021 BYU football team? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Roberts underscore MN answers on Twitter. 11 wins keep the momentum going towards next season, and more importantly, 2023, when BYU says hello to the Big 12. I don't know that a win in this bowl game factors into what happens when BYU transitions into the Big 12 in 2023. That's more about the 2022 season, in my opinion. But the momentum part absolutely Resonates. BYU is going to be a preseason top twenty-five team, and
0: oh, probably probably like top fifteen. Dog.
2: If they lose this game, it could affect that. If they win this game, then they, you're right. You probably will be a top fifteen team.
0: A ten-win team returning its quarterback, and if Tyler Algier comes back, we'll be if, ranked. It's not just ranked. It's like top fifteen. Like you lose to if, UAB. If BYU finishes, mm. I <laughs> we're making. What, drama, nothing nothing exists there. Like, BYU's not losing this game. No. Why, why are we even talking? Like, that's a possibility. Like, no, UAB does some really nice things. They, they pass the ball extremely effectively. They're one of the best in the country. They stop the rush extremely effectively. They haven't seen a team like BYU th- this year? Come on, man. I haven't even looked at their schedule. I guarantee they've not seen a running what back like UTSA? Tyler What about UTSA? They played him tough. can McCormick.
2: Hey, he's a good player. He is he is really good. At BYU Arnold's on Twitter answers. He's no Tyler Algier, though. Win and it's a legacy of top 10 finish. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. It yeah. just does not happen often. Lose and the legacy is 6 and 1 versus P5, 5 and 0 against the Pac-12, breaking the streak against Utah and proving Jerem's P5 phobia <laughs> wrong. They already have. As BYU would have a better record than versus Power 5 than Group of 5s. Oh good grief.
0: Yes. No, no, no. This is the outlier in the his- history of BYU. It's been incredible. I've loved every second of it. Yeah. Up until this year, BYU had never really done anything like this. This is amazing. Um I want BYU to keep it going, right? I don't want this to be an outlier. I want this to be the new norm, which is No, no, BYU does very well. Like I'm hoping when BYU goes to the Big 12 and plays a 8 or 9 game schedule that there are like only 3 losses in conference, right? Um, and you hope you don't lose a non-conference Power 5. But to, to go 10-plus is amazing. This has been one of the most fun, enjoyable BYU football seasons in a long time.
1: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Here are what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation.
2: Earlier this morning I spoke one-on-one with BYU head football coach Kalani Sitake about several things, obviously previewing the game against UAB, a weather update, and how's the health of this BYU football team after they were notably banged up after the USC game, and what an 11th win would mean for the legacy of this 2021 squad. Here is my one-on-one with BYU head football coach Kalani Satake, all-access BYU Sports Nation from Shreveport. Coach, this is the third time we've had a Satake on BYU Sports Nation this week. You early to talk about your contract extension and the bowl game, and then Fessy to discuss more of what his role is going to be, and now you're back again. So apparently it's Satake week. You cool with that?
3: Yeah, well, I have to come back because before, before it was really dark, the lighting wasn't the best. <laughs> which which is my best look, by the way. <laughs> but, no, I'm, I'm glad to be back with you guys. You guys know how I feel about you.
2: The witness protection program look? <laughs>
3: is that what we were going for? Yeah, that was pretty cool. I, I, thought, I mean, I don't know why I bothered to shave that morning.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: oh, good stuff.
2: Well, here we are in the Independence Bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana. Mild temperatures. We'll talk about the weather in a moment, but... How would you describe the bowl experience here for you and your team thus far?
3: Oh, we've had a great time, and, and uh, you know, we, we looked at, at at this being a goal for us, meaning that uh, do well enough to play that extra game and, and uh, you know, send the seniors out the right way. And, and uh, even though we don't have a bunch of them, but any of the guys is, that, that this is going to be their last moment on the field, we want to make sure that, um, you know, we spend time with them and hang out with them and, and really – uh, get to thank the, the families of our coaches and staff and also uh, the families of our players. So this is a, a good moment for us and it doesn't hurt having the extra practices for our development, but uh, really excited about this game, this matchup with UAB and then uh, the Independence Bowl is taking really good care of us and the hospitality has been amazing. So looking forward to, to playing this game.
2: So I'm hearing that there was a trivia game the other night that got pretty intense. And, and there was some drama, but the you guys brought home the belt. Uh, were you there for that? If not, what did you hear about that?
3: I was there for that, and, and um, I, I don't know. I don't know how the, how it all works, but I know we're not very good at Madden as a team. <laughs> but, but for some reason, we could throw axes really well, and uh, the, the, the trivia stuff, I think it worked out well. I think Fessy was in the... Uh, was in the, the winning um, team at the end, which works out. So whenever that guy's around trivia, it usually helps us, helps us out.
2: <laughs> People are really interested about uh, your relationship with him. We saw a good deal of that and a good taste of it in our our Deep Blue feature. But let's talk about Fessy and, and what he has meant to the development of the wide receivers in the offense under Aaron Roderick.
3: Yeah, he's amazing. And and, and this is, uh, uh, you know, his relationship with me, is, is it's one thing. Uh, growing up together and me being his big brother, but um, And then you know me and TJ being able to, to help raise him and and um, that that's been always there, We have always been uh, close because of that, but it's the um, It's seeing him grow as, as a as a football player under um, you know when we recruited him Aaron Roderick was his coach and so uh, he, he was his first college coach and then Ed Lamb was there to finish it up and then he was a GA and then now we see how things have happened in his coaching and career, and so to have him here with A Rods again, in, in a different sense, I think it's a, it's a, it's a good um, compliment to how A Rod works with people, but also that lasting impression that he's had with uh, with with everyone. I've been his friend for, since we were players, you know, here at BYU. So we have that great connection, that great great relationship. with the A Rod extended to everyone, including Fessy, has been has been uh, really nice to see allows the people to grow and get better. And I know he's always looking at, to have others help out, help him out. And uh, I give a lot of credit to, to A-Rod uh, nurturing that relationship uh, with Fessy and, and allowing Fessy to grow in, 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 in his new role.
2: I'm looking at what the wide receiver room and the offense in general brought in on signing day. And I said this to Fessy, but the theme is speed. And uh, it just seems like more and more speed is, is coming into that room. How have Aaron and Fessy been able to recruit a different type of athlete to BYU to play that position?
3: Well, I, I think it's just the, their connection and seeing, um, you know, how those uh, those skills can work for our offense. I think it gets them a little bit excited. You see the, uh, you know, with Fessy and A-Rod running the show, I don't think we should ever see a drop off. And I'm I'm making a statement here in, in in our in the receiver room and the quarterback room. So I. I Plan on having those two guys keep those rooms loaded and uh, with talent um, and then you can see how the receivers are performing now even when guys go down how well guys step up I think Keanu's been the one uh, that to step up and make plays and um, the way Fessy and Aira uh, control their position groups has been been a lot of fun and uh, when the offense is rolling it helps the whole team.
2: Let's talk running backs now as we move away from the wide receiver room. Lopini Katoa announces officially yesterday that he's coming back for another year to BYU. What does the return of Lopini for one more year do for BYU football in that running backs group?
3: Yeah, it gives us stability. I mean, we, we obviously know what he can do, and uh, when he's healthy, he can roll. And so um, it allows us to use him in a lot of different places, too. I mean, he, he's got tons of talent. He can play a lot of different positions. He, he catches the ball well out of the backfield. He runs great routes, and so we'll be able to use him a lot of different places. So it's nice to have the weapons come back. imagine if we had all those weapons from last year. So if you have more eligibility, it'd be really cool for you guys to come back. <laughs> <laughs> now, now Lopini can help recruit the others. That'll That's what nice. I was going to yeah. say.
2: Like, does that move help with uh, Tyler and maybe Gunner and some others?
3: Yeah, I expect him, I expect him to follow follow through. If he wants, you know, if he, he wants. <laughs> A fully loaded team, and then I expect them to get to work. I
2: love that. <laughs> we're with BYU head coach Kalani Satake at the Independence Bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana. When you look at what this game means to the 2021 BYU football season, how will this game impact the legacy of what's already been a remarkable year for BYU football?
3: Well, I mean, it's going to be a sad day, anyways, because uh, we're going to have to say goodbye to some players, and, and um, it's just a lot easier to say goodbye w- with a win, you know, and. and uh, but I, I, I'm not really worried about that as much as I am just us showing up and, and playing at our best and, and staying loose. And that's my job as a head coach to make sure our guys are ready to go. And, and uh, I, I like what I saw from practice yesterday. You know, we've had a lo- a lot of practice. It's been a long stretch since we last played. And um, we've had some guys get healthy and some guys get banged up, you know. But because we practice a certain way, we play a lot of 11 on 11 football. And uh, that, that's the way for us to get better. And I've seen some improvement. I've seen a lot of things progress as as a team for us, and I'd like to see that happen, uh, you know, in our game against uh, UAB.
2: You mentioned the guys, uh, a few being banged up and, and the physicality of the season. I mean, it's such a battle of attrition just to stay healthy. It's been three weeks since you played against USC. You were notably banged up coming out of that game. How's the health of your team overall after a little bit of rest?
3: Yeah, I feel like we're healthier and probably the offensive side a lot healthier than we are on the defensive side. Although we've had a lot of guys on defense being able to come back and practice, it's been it's been limited action on uh, some of the guys that we we have. Um, uh, I think in Chaz is someone that's coming to mind right away, and, and um, then there's others that, that are still unable to go. Peyton Wilgar and and Keenan Peely, but because the whole team is here, uh, it's different because they're all here. They're at practices. They're helping mentor our guys. Even though they did that at, at the uh, during the season, it's nice to have them here and. And, and consistently in, in the ear of our young guys are you know our, our defensive players so um we'll have some some uh young contributors on defense that's okay the guys will make plays and uh, special teams will do well and, and I think offensively um our guys are will have more weapons than we've had before so we'll see what happens
2: how many times do you think you've discussed the word depth this season
3: <laughs> yeah in, a, a lot yeah now that I think about it it's probably something that I say too much but but uh it's something that we're we're going to need to to improve on every as much as we can. I anticipate. I mean, there's moments in the game against USC where I'm like, oh, look who's on the field. It's just guys that you aren't expecting on on helping you early in the season. But uh, I give a lot of credit to the players and to the coaches for always being ready. Um, and it, it, it's you you like your depth to be really good, but you don't always want to test it. Uh, the unfortunate part is that we've had to test our depth quite a bit this year. And um, that's okay though you know the guys are doing well and i think that's going to help us going into the future for 22 season
2: 10 wins amidst all of those injuries impressive to say the least now you try and get number 11 against the uab team that is obviously motivated to be here they get to play against the number 13 team in america this is the highest ranked team that's ever played in the independence bowl target on the back what concerns you most about the matchup with uh, the blazers of uab i
3: mean i i think the uh Looking at the, the way they're coached, I, I have a lot of respect for Bill Clark. A great coach, and and that program, um, you know, they, they've gone through some adversity. And the, I mean, they they were they you know, went away for a little the program while. was eliminated for a little bit, and yeah. and then, uh, so to have them come back and establish not just having a team ready to play, but a team that wins games. Um, you know, they, they, it's been impressive seeing them in, in, in the last few years, and uh, especially under Bill Clark. I think they're going to be uh, well coached. at What we see on film, uh, they, they they do all the little things right. And so it's not going to be easy. But uh, you know, it's a great test for us, and we've had the target on our back a lot of weeks this season. So uh, I think this is a great opportunity for us to step up and and see how we can match up against a team that's really hungry to play us. and uh, don't, don't don't be mis- don't don't misunderstand me though. We're, we're hungry too. We yeah. we want to play this game and. That we want to make sure that we uh, we show up at our best, and then that's that's going to be the goal. I, I'm i looking forward to the game. I think our guys will do well.
2: Now, take this for what it's worth, and I know you're super humble about all this and the contract extension, but from my perspective, it just seems like since you got locked back in, there has been this re-energizing, this resurgence, and almost like this unity and bonding that has happened around the team. How have you felt since that news became official and watching your team come together for the bowl game?
3: Well, that, that's how I feel, too. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, that during the... The last couple of weeks has been kind of, kind of, you know, difficult. I think for me, it's to evaluate where we are as a program, where I am as a coach. But um, I started to realize that the the, the more that kind of uh, was getting strung along, I just felt like um, a lot of anxiety and stress on our players and uh, and our coaches, and so um, you know, didn't want them to worry about it and. Uh, I definitely didn't want the fans to worry about it too because I could sense that and, and the the energy needs to stay in the positive and so I apologize for putting people through that but uh, uh, I think in the uh, in the end it's going to be beneficial for our program and uh, beneficial for us going into the future. I think the players deserve the necessary resources and our our staff and, and the support that we need in there to make it happen. I think we can do some really wonderful things. I think we've done some great things already. Um, and it would just be going against the, the schedule that we're going to see and going into the Big 12. Uh, everything needs to be, uh, we need to you know, improve in a lot of different ways. And even Tom said it himself. And so it's nice to have that, uh, start working on that as soon as possible.
2: Coach, before you go, I need to ask you about the weather conditions. Rain is expected tomorrow. You're a fullback by nature. Mm-hmm. You told me before we started this interview, you're, you're okay with that. How do you make all of the guys feel okay about rainy conditions in Shreveport if that comes to that?
3: Well, selfishly, I look better in the dark, as you can see from the the last time I was on. But also, uh, I look better wet and and, and soaking wet. So, uh, no, listen, it's a game. You know, we we prepared the right way. I think uh, we played with some, uh, practiced with some wet balls just in case to to focus on on ball security, things like that. But... um, but you can't make too much of the weather all you can do is prepare for it uh the thing that we're going to look forward to is just showing up and playing our best and and the uab has to play in the same weather as we do so uh listen we we had a nice uh preparation bowl prep in in the indoor it's it, it felt really good the last couple of days of practice and some wet and some rain that was that was a lot of fun
2: nice kalani let's give you some karma for tomorrow's game we appreciate you hanging out with us here in Shreveport. This, this is a cool setting.
3: Hey,
1: appreciate all you guys do for us. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday.
2: Your defensive lineman Uriah Leitawa has enjoyed a remarkable albeit injury-riddled, final season at BYU. He's gone to church, Jerem, as he told us he would after the Utah game. Yes, he has. And he's ready for one more victorious football sermon in the bowl game. You had a chance to speak with him uh, just recently.
0: Yes, I did. Here it is. All right, Lopa, the bowl game's this week, which is crazy. It feels like it's like in a week or two. No, 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 it's this week. So what's preparation like for the team right now? Uh,
8: We've been practicing nonstop, actually, except on Sundays. Uh, we practice on Saturday. We practice today. Um, we've been practicing like normal, just making sure we're all ready and we're not sleeping on these guys. And that's important, right? Um, I know you guys wanted a New Year's Six. I know you wanted
0: something big and amazing, and you were contracted with the Independence Bowl, and if New Year's Six didn't work out, this is what it was going to be. But you're playing in a unique place. You guys are used to hitting the road and going different places, like Statesboro, Georgia, and whatever, right? So this is just another act there. So, What's the motivation like to finish on a high? Because there is a difference between 10 and 11 wins in a season.
8: Yes. Yeah. So Kalani brought up a really good point last week. And he told us that um, BYU as a dynasty, after the championship year in 84, has only gone 11 wins back to back once. And I believe it's the 05, 06 year. And And he talked to us about it. And he was like, how important it is to leave a legacy. How we can go from 11 wins last year to 11 wins this year, and only one team was able to do that, and now it's 05 and 06. And so that's something that we uh, took personal, and that's a victory that we want to be able to achieve and leave for the for you know BYU in general. You know, um, one thing that I thought was really cool is that you know like we can't control as players, we can't control who we are playing. You know, what we control is how we play. And we did the best we've co- we could this year. We did the best we could this year. And um, we left it all on the table. And we were able to achieve 10 wins as a team. So that's something i that will be proud of as a team. And, you know, like with the, all the New Year's 6 stuff and everything like that, that's something that you can't control as a player. So there's no point in getting mad about it. Um, I was upset. Personally, I was upset. Like, who wouldn't be? But then after Kalani talked to us the next day, he made sure we all understood how it is how grateful we should be to even be playing a game. You know, I was here that four and nine season when we didn't even have a bowl game. So being able to play you this pl- game. You
0: played in Hawaii in week 13. That was like a bowl game. Wait a minute.
8: Yeah, <laughs> not really. Not really, though, but yeah, kind of. So No,
0: I, no, I feel like There was no bowl swag. If there ain't no bowl swag, yeah. it ain't a bowl game, right?
8: Exactly. If there's none of that extra stuff, then... This is it really a bowl game.
0: <laughs> yeah, and we'll talk about the bowl here coming up. Um, what's the best part of this season to you? Because there have been so many great moments.
8: Oh, man, that's a great question. I think the biggest one for me personally was beating Utah, you know, to get that monkey off our backs. People forget about that because that was the early part of the year. but People forget about it? What? Oh, I think people keep sleeping on it sometimes, man, because that was only week two, and we're so deep into the season now. But that was probably the biggest moment. I I was so hyped after that game. That was such a great game.
0: It was an incredible game. I couldn't even get down to the field from the press box. It was like impossible. Um, yeah. I was going on the concourse trying to get down. People were like high-fiving me. We did it. We had to it. It, like <laughs> it was this great moment, right? Um, yeah. that, was so, that was so cool. Okay, so the, the big news uh, recently, of course, is Kalani Sitaki being extended through 2027. I know what he means to you guys, but will you explain what that meant to the team? Because, yes, you're graduating and you're done after your 17-year uh, career here at URAF, but uh, it's That's awesome great. to see that Kalani's going to stay, right?
8: Yeah, no, it's great that he's going to stay. People don't understand how he's finally found his groove. You know, I've been here for forever now. And I've been here for with him for a long time and just seeing how he progressed as a coach is just so good like he's hit his stride he knows what he wants now and he knows how to achieve it so. um, BYU did a great job of like nabbing him up because he's a hot commodity right now across the nation so like it's smart of BYU and he loves it here I don't I didn't doubt that he he was going to leave um what I do love about his new contract that it's. Beneficial to everyone on the staff and even the players too. Kalani every time I would ask him straight up. Like, hey, bro, are you leaving Oregon? Like, are you going to leave? And he's like, as long as they take care of you guys and the boys, I'm not going anywhere. Now. And that's what he always repeated to me.
0: And that he's he's such an unselfish dude. Like he's. Yeah. Yes, he got his too. Yeah, but it's almost like um, what reminds me of like we went on missions, right? you go to help other people, but you end up helping yourself quite a bit, which is awesome. You talked about the impact on the players. How is his sort of contract and everything benefiting you guys?
8: Oh, it benefits the underclassmen for sure. They're going to have a consistent staff, you know, somebody, a scheme to understand, like a scheme to learn throughout the years. Like they're going to continue to learn these things and improve in a, you know, like a scheme. Yeah. I just feel like, It's really hard when you come into a new scheme and try to learn certain things, but the fact that Kalani and his staff are going to be here for a while, especially going into the Big 12, is going to benefit our young guys the most because they're going to have something constant throughout their career here that will not change. And that's very underrated in today's college football. Yeah, continuity helps, right? It's awesome. Uh, We're talking to Uriah Leatawa or Lopa
0: on BYU Sports Nation. Let's talk about how old you are. So when the show first started, Lopa. We announced you in the signing class in February, about five months into the show. We were on the radio only in 2014. Then you go yeah. on your mission. Then you come back. COVID year. Here we are in 2021. You yeah. feel like it was all worth it because guess what? You got to play in one of the greatest BYU football seasons ever and the most unique in that you guys play seven power fives and amazingly,
8: you guys go six and one. Yeah, I think uh, I think it was worth it. I talked to a couple of the guys that left last year that are my same age. And they were like, man, I wish I could have been part of it. And I just think like, man, I, I'm grateful to be here still. So it's dope. You know, I'm living it up this year, no matter what happens. So um I just ha- I've had fun. That's for sure. I've lived it up. I'm just grateful to be here. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. yeah it has been a while. I remember in 2014 that happened. So yeah. The crazy thing is I'm not even the oldest person on this team right now. Who is it? Uh, Neil's older than me. <laughs> Neil's older than you, and he could he could come back
0: next year if he wants. Yeah. Who knows if he will? He could he could bounce, yeah. but uh, <laughs> he's older than you. That's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. Okay, um, let's talk about this bowl game. So UAB, you talked about um, you know you guys are taking them seriously. They play some good ball, right? Um, they cut the yeah. program a couple years. They're back. They're going for nine wins. They shut down the run really well. They throw the ball very well. Um, yeah, kind of what's top of mind with them.
8: They, they they got some freaks on their team. You know, they got some freak athletes on their team. Like you you mentioned before, their defense is like legit. They're they're a legit defense. I barely we barely get to watch film on their defense, but we understand like when we do see them, like oh, they're actually kind of good. They're like really good. So there's no one to sleep on, and their offense for sure is something we need to make sure we we keep them contained and especially their, uh, their athletes out on the edge. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah, they have some good players. It should be a, a fun game. Is there a benefit to playing a week before Christmas where you can just enjoy the holidays, or would you rather have that game, like, later in the Christmas season? I don't know what players prefer.
8: Honestly, it doesn't matter to me. I played in both. Um, I remember when we played in the Hawaii Bowl, like, right before Christmas. I thought that was fun, too. Um, and... We played, like, the 24th. It was, like, Christmas Eve. Yeah. And Yeah, so, like, uh, that would have been – I think it would have been fine either way. But 18th is nice. We're going to be home nice and early for Christmas. So, I'm excited for that.
0: Did you have fun in the USC game, given that you grew up rooting for UCLA with some of your brothers and everything, and you went in the Coliseum and repped the Cougs?
8: Yeah. If I didn't freaking kept cramping up, that would have been better. <laughs> but that freaking game was great, man. It was awesome to be in there. They have some of the hardest turf ever. That, that field was horrible. Mm.
0: It's underrated. It looks nice, but I guess it's not. It
8: nice. it just painted dirt. That's all it was. <laughs> <laughs> That's really what like it, was. Like, it was. Astro turf? Like, illustrated dirt. So it was, it was fun.
0: Well, uh, best of luck continuing to prepare for UAB. Safe travels out to Louisiana. Have some fun in Freeport. Eat some fun food and uh, bring it. back an the 11th win, man.
8: Yes, let's go.
2: Uriah Lopa Leatawa, one of my favorite personalities on this BYU football team. Hard not to love that dude. One of our early deep blue features out of Compton, California. So grateful to have him at BYU. And he's gone through so many injuries, maintained a really positive, uplifting attitude. And he means a lot to his defensive line teammates. He he's He has battled this year.
0: His BYU journey has literally spanned the journey of this program, as I mentioned. Yeah. Because we mentioned him in our first signing day coverage, February of 2014.
2: Right before we hit the TV. What? Yeah. Pretty wild. I'm
0: still shocked this got on TV. Join the conversation
1: 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports.
2: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now over Zoom and making his BYUSN debut is one of the more exciting recruits in this class, wide receiver Cody Hagan out of Corner Canyon High School, a 10-5, 100-meter dash guy, put on a show for Aurora, the Chargers football team. Here. Cody, welcome to BYU Sports Nation.
7: What's up, guys? Thanks for having me.
2: Absolutely. Let's start with this. When did BYU first hop onto your radar as a legitimate landing spot for you as a wide receiver?
7: Oh, yeah. Ever since uh, sophomore year, that's when they offered me as my first uh, collegiate offer. And so they really made a really big impact uh, just to my you know personal goals and everything. And then once I got on campus and uh, talked with Coach Fessy, Coach Kalani, and all those guys, it really just seemed like a home. So it was always, it's always been a really good spot for me.
0: So they loved you first, and that mattered to you?
7: Yeah, yeah. I mean, no one else had really kind of believed in me, I guess. I mean, it was young, you know. Um, but some colleges didn't really thought I was too young or whatever. But they really uh, believed and were the first ones to offer. So that was a big, big thing for me.
2: Cody Hagen is on BYU Sports Nation. When you had that conversation with Aaron Roderick, how did you envision yourself fitting into the offense that he wants to run at BYU?
7: Yeah, yeah. So he kind of told me uh, before Puka came, he told me I'd fit in kind of as a deep threat, like Gunnar Romney, um, kind of spread out uh, both outside and inside receiver and uh, just go make big plays. So,
0: What role has uh, BYU Success the last two years had on you as well?
7: Oh, yeah, that's been a big thing. Just seeing the program develop, obviously going to the new conference, uh, Power 5 program, so it'll be a big thing for uh the coming years and it'll be good. Play against some better competition and they've been doing really good too. So
2: Yeah, what do you think of the prospect of uh heading to Texas often and in some cases much further to take on teams in the newly formed Big Twelve?
7: Oh yeah, I love that. I love going against better competition. Uh, the bigger schools, I'm just going to beat them up, show them what's up. So
0: <laughs> let's go. Yeah, let's go. Okay, Gatorade Player of the Year for you. And apparently, that's the thing in your family, right? Your brother and your dad. Why? Gatorade Players of the Year?
7: Yeah, so my dad got it at Brighton. Uh, he was a quarterback way back when, whenever he was in high school. And then <laughs> my brother got it uh, two years ago. So, and then I got it now. So we got to keep it going. Family tradition.
2: That is quite the legacy. Yeah. Holy cow, and he was a quarterback, but I understand he was, your dad was also a really good baseball player as well.
7: Yeah, yeah, so he uh, was a quarterback in football, and then uh, got drafted out of high school to play for the Pirates in the minors.
0: Did he go play baseball? Remind me.
7: Uh, yeah, he. so he went and played baseball out of high school, and then uh, played in the minors for a little bit, went on a mission, and then played football at the U, so...
0: So you're the you're the next Corner Canyon kid whose parents went to the U, but you're going to BYU. Is that the that's the narrative here?
7: <laughs> <laughs> so my dad actually went to the U, and then my mom went to BYU. Mm. So who who's yeah, bugging, who's strange, bugging you but... to
0: where you had to move rooms right here?
7: You know, my dad actually he he's all good with it. You know, my mom obviously wants me to go to BYU. My dad is the same. He just wants me to do whatever is best for me. So they're both really cool about it.
0: Who who made you change rooms? Like, is it a younger sibling making some noise? What just happened, Cody?
7: (laughs) No, um, there's my dog's running around. I'm trying to get him to sit down.
0: I know that deal. I know that deal. Yeah, it's all good, man. Well, we're so excited to have you. Uh, Ten five two in the hundred. I mean, that kind of speed can be used anywhere. When did you? Like, how old were you when you were like, oh, I'm pretty fast?
7: (laughs) Um, I don't know if I could really. How old was I? I don't really know. That's that's hard to say. But ever since kind of little league, I felt like I was one of the faster kids, and then high school it kind of separated itself. So just kind of keep working, and um, it was a good thing. So,
0: when do you plan on coming to BYU, and what will go into that decision?
7: Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm either I'm going to serve a mission, I'm playing serve a mission. So I'm either going to come in um, this next year and play a year and then serve a mission or just serve a mission, uh, right after high school. So it kind of just depends on, uh, what receivers kind of come back for next year and the availability to kind of play and, uh, be in the receiver room. So
2: gotcha, Cody, congratulations on everything on a fantastic high school career and on signing with BYU. We look forward to seeing you on campus, whenever that is.
1: The best of BYU sports station will be back after this on BYU radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on
0: BYU Radio. We look into the multiverse, okay? Is there a timeline out there this year with Mm -hmm. BYU football, Jason, where BYU would have made the New Year's Six?
6: First of all, we have missed, and I want to apologize for everybody involved in this show, that we did not catch this sooner. What? Can I reread the question as it should have been written? Yes. Okay. So, if we looked into the multiverse... Is there a timeline out there where BYU makes a New Year's Sinister Six oh, bowl game snap. this year? Nice. We like missed it. It was obvious. Yeah. It was staring us right in the face. Yeah. We missed it. Well. We missed it. That's why we're at 10 a.m. and not 5 p.m. Okay. <laughs> yes, there is a timeline. Yes. And it, very, it was oh so close to being this timeline. <laughs> um, I always will go back to the Boise State game. And, yes, Bronco fans – You got your revenge. You're looking at the camera like they're watching. They are watching. They all watch. I thought it was just some Utes. No, it's all Utes that watch Oh, oh, and most everybody else. Uh, Yeah, Bronco fans, you, you got us. BYU took it away from you last year. You got your revenge this year. That was the game. And the reason I say that was the game is because that was more in BYU's hands than Oklahoma State coming up short. BYU had nothing to do with that. You can yeah. say that if Oklahoma State gets one more –
0: What do you mean BYU had nothing to do with that? Jeff Grimes and Eric Patel
6: were there. <laughs> well, sort of. But, I, I mean, <laughs> they control that, that was – BYU's fumbles in the game is yeah. what cost BYU in that game. That's the one that you look back and say that – whether you believe BYU had a realistic chance or not, I do believe they had a realistic chance. There was still going to have to have a lot of things that happened. But it was there this year if if I, I believe – if the Boise State game doesn't turn out the way it was, especially with the way Boise State ended the year, they were not a good football team. And, and so that that loss got worse as the season went on.
0: To answer the question, in the infinite timelines, uh, if we're talking multiverse Marvel theory here, of course there's one where BYU goes undefeated somehow. I just don't think it's that probable. I, I think we need to be careful, and I talked about this midseason of – um, Bill Connolly came out and said BYU was plus 1.9 wins, like more. Uh, uh, he almost quantified it as like luck. I think that luck can be quantified as uh, takeaways. BYU's ability to not give it away and do a good job of taking it away made it so BYU wasn't an eight and four regular season team, probably in an average year. BYU was ten and two because Jaron Hall doesn't turn the ball over very much, as Aaron Roderick has talked about, and that is to BYU's credit. There was one g- game where it got away from BYU, and yep, BYU lost that game. I'm not sure with one loss whether BYU makes a New Year's 6 anyway, but they almost did. Like, if Baylor loses, right? there's a chance BYU's going to a New Year's 6 right now. But to think that you can have it all and the next game, it's like, well, consider that in the Utah and Arizona State games, BYU did an excellent job taking care of the ball. What if BYU turns it over against Utah like it always does? Well, then BYU maybe loses that game. But Cam Rising didn't play in the game. Air run. That was so funny. That is an unbelievable mic drop. I, I just think we need to be careful of, like, you can't have all of this stuff and even more positive. It's like, well, sometimes you got away. I think BYU, not got away with, that's not the right phrase, but, like, took advantage of a couple of games where it took care of the ball, was positive in margin, and that made the difference in the game where there wasn't, there wasn't a fumble in the red zone where the other team scores and, and maybe wins. Like, if Tyler Algier doesn't make the play of the year, BYU might lose that game. Like, let's, let's take into consideration that there were these what-if moments sure. nice. where that, that changed the course of the season. BYU was probably always going to lose the Baylor game. That was just – just Baylor was better. It's okay. You can tip your hat. Yeah, they, they, were, they were the, the better time. team that
6: day. That's fine.
0: And I think they would have been most days. Like, that Baylor team's really talented. Um, especially on the road there. They and won the
6: Big 12.
0: They're good, right? They're really good. So, yes, is there one timeline where BYU, like, goes undefeated? Sure, maybe. But are we really going to be that greedy to think that? BYU went 6-1 and one against the 7 Power 5.
6: Unbelievable yes. season.
0: This was close to as
6: good as it could possibly get, in my opinion. I And, and that point, I hope the majority of fans are not forgetting. Everybody... Going into the season, uh, everybody we talked to said they would love if BYU got eight wins. Nine wins, it was like just this unheard of mountain that BYU, if they got to nine wins, BYU's going to in all likelihood have 11. Which is insane. So so I hope that people realize, yes, you didn't go New Year's 6. Yes, you were hoping that you were going to get in a better bowl game. But you know what? This is a season in which BYU will be able to build off of for decades. And I'm not just talking about the wins and losses. Everything that happened in this season going into the Big 12, this will be a springboard for this program moving forward. There is no other way to look at this season than nothing but ultimate success.
0: I think there's a timeline too, where BYU goes seven and five in the regular season. Like, just the good c- news is cuffs, we don't
6: have to worry about that.
0: Coughs it up, injuries to certain guys. The fact that Tyler Algier was healthy all year has really springboarded BYU into this opportunity. The way Jaron Hall played, the ability for Baylor Romney to come in, you know, in a couple games. the the defense getting enough takeaways, Caleb uh, Hayes' play on the last drive against USC. Like, all these things came together. It was really awesome. There was a lot of great stuff from this season, and it was super validating to build off of last year and to validate, nope, so from zero power five to seven yes.
6: and a Pac-12 championship banner. And BYU is going to be a P5 officially in another season.
0: <laughs> like in a year, in a, a week or two, we're going to be talking about, well, the next season.
6: After like 12, after Saturday's game, BYU football officially has one more season as an independent. That's right. Scientific fact. Our question of the day, if you
0: looked into the multiverse, is there a timeline out there? where BYU makes a New Year's Six bowl game this year. What say ye in Voice of the Nation? This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. That's swooshlife59 on Instagram, because the first 58 we're taking. Yep, we play Boise on a Thursday or Friday with clear skies. Boom, no fumbling. We win, we go 11-1 and get a better bowl. Okay, so the weather taken into consideration in that answer. It was wet and rainy for the first quarter or two. Yeah, and there was no question
6: that the was moving the ball and then when the rain hit it, yeah. it slowed it down. There was no there's no that that's not a that's not a take. That's what happened. You could see it.
0: BYU scored uh, you know, two or three touchdowns very quickly in that game. Yeah, at J Floyd three why didn't Boy State fumble too? At J. Floyd three four one on Twitter. Yes, we were very they had close. That's it was <laughs> Truly, Hank Bachmeyer, the difference. It wasn't cam rising after all. It came down to a handful of games not going the way we needed them to. If OK State beats Baylor and a couple others go right, we could be enjoying the Fiesta War. You know, we could have not lost our homecoming game to Boise State. I, I forgot it was a homecoming game. I actually did, too. It's, it's not like a thing that we care about that much here, I don't think. Not like, not like Baylor, that's for sure. That
1: wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV
0: and BYU Radio.